Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That over there is Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And we're here to bring you episode 86 of the Rugby Rant. 86. I know. I can't believe it. We're almost up to 87. That was my birth year. (laughs) I always like to throw my birth year out there to Rob so he can be like, man. I was freaking in high school. I was going to say, I was going to say, oh, I was a college senior or something in in 87. (laughs) But, you know, I always got to poke the bear a little bit. But it's it's fun. It's an old bear. Absolutely. But um, thank you guys so much for watching. Welcome to our show. And uh, we're going to hop right into our around the around the pitch segment. Um, I'm going to start it off here and I have a very interesting stat and and it's phrased. Uh, very delicately and intricately by our buddy Doug Coyle from DJ Coyle Rugby. So right now with the standings of the Eastern Conference, you have Rugby ATL sitting pretty at the number one spot with 20 points. And you have New York sitting uh, in the second place spot with 19 points and New England Free Jacks in third place with 19 points. And here's how the tiebreakers went for New England and New York. Very interesting. It went to the fourth tiebreaker. So obviously they're both four and one, right? They're all, Well, they're all four and one, um, I believe. Um, but ATL has the bonus points, so they're 20 points, right? Then New York and the Free Jacks have the 19 points. They each have four wins. They have the same point differential, which is the second tiebreak at plus 33. They have the same total try scored, which is the third tiebreaker at 19 apiece. And then you have to go into the fourth tiebreaker, which is total tries minus total tries conceded. New York is a plus six, while New England is a plus five. If you can't get excited that we had to go to a fourth tiebreaker to figure out, you know, who's going to be two and three right now in the league. I mean, it's just, so, I can't, the excitement about being it so tight up top in the Eastern Conference. I just love it, Rob. You know, you know, what's funny you say that is, is I was looking at the standings this week and I'm like, man, the Western Conference is really up for grabs. And, and that's true right? It's really up for grabs. And then you look at the East and you kind of think, well, you know, ATL has got a pretty good lead, you know, but the truth of the matter is it's also up for grabs as well, just by the pure fact of what you're talking about. It makes for really exciting rugby and it's certainly going to keep fans entertained throughout the season. Maybe. What do you got first? Oh, what do I got? All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to plug something a little fun here to start off with. Um, 
I didn't pick this up week one, but I picked it up later on. DTH, Vandermerva. Uh, each week, he is supporting a different charity with a different hair color. So if this doesn't get you excited for social media opponents who kind of want to watch what the different hair color looked like, we've got a few posts happening right here. Okay. Um, but this week, week six, uh, against Utah, he was sporting the green hair. He was injured. Uh, but uh, before the game, he had the green hair and he was supporting it in honor of Make March Matter and the LA Children's Hospital, right? And so for those of you guys who want to support it, especially those out in LA, makemarchmatter.org, follow it, support it, give a little bit of money, even if it's a buck or two, every little bit helps. And of course, you're helping children. And I want to thank DTH for supporting charities like this and doing it in his own unique way. Dude, that's that's really friggin' cool. I really like that. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, and hairstyle is a big thing in rugby. You know, I talk about it on the Rooster Booster. Me and Mike Perizzini talk about it um, with the the Rooney guys and who has the best hair and what kind of hairstyles are going on. And the saying other thing, it's you know, hair culture really creeping into the sport. And I'm glad he's using it in a way to help other people through charity. It's great. So my second topic of the week, right? Um, we're talking about uh, women's rugby. We're talking about the Falcons that face the Wales team. And not only did the USA Falcons get the win 31 to 23, if you look at the roster, um, let's see, all the women on the roster, except for one, Olivia Ortiz, um, their their club is in the UK. So we had Hope Rogers, Exeter Chiefs. Um, um, who else? Uh, Alicia Washington, uh, Worcester Warriors. Um, Kate Zachary, obviously, Exeter Chiefs. Carly Waters, Saracens. Um, I love Kelter Saracens. Uh, February player of the month for Premier 15s. Tess Fury, Railway Union RFC, which is winning the championship in the Irish All League. Um, you know, uh, Gabby Carterno, who didn't play, Exeter Chief. So every, every, all 23 women, except for one, is already playing professionally or for a university in the UK. So I just found that interesting. That's awesome to see uh, the women's game spreading um, so significantly, particularly in the UK. And hopefully we can see that bleed over into the United States with the success these women have here in the UK, bring it back home and, and make it successful here in the United States. And that can lead to greater and better things for the women's game in the US. So for my around the pitch segment number two, I'm going to throw a shout out to a friend of the show, guys who supported us. He supports us so much. He's jumping on the Super Brew. He's even contested a little bit. Um, and that guy is Marquise. I like to call him Keese. Goodwin. Again, friend of the show. But he's also an MLR official. He's been an AR for a couple seasons. But he finally got to get on the whistle in the middle in his first match. It happened to be Nola versus Dallas. And I got to tell you, I thought he did a tremendous job. For those that watched the match, one of the things that I really liked about him is his clarity and communication to the players in the field. I mean, it was so it was so noticeable that um, the commentators, uh, Dallin Stanford, uh, and and um, I believe uh, um, who else was on that uh, former Rooney uh, coach? Um, oh, well, Tolkien, Mike, Mike Tolkien. Mike Tolkien. They were commenting on the fact that we could even hear it on TV that he was communicating. Hey, you got to get your binds up. Um, you know, he was telling people, you know, guys in the malls, Hey, you need to come around. You're off sides right now. So you need to move. It was so clear. It was coming through on the TV side of things. And it was great to see players knew what to expect. And I tell you what, I didn't see a poor call all match. 
I hope he gets more opportunity. I think we'll get more opportunity. Congratulations to Marquise on his first. And, you know, the reason why Rob took this topic is because he got to congratulate Marquise first officially. So I let him take the topic because I was very excited. Um, finally got to meet Marquise uh, face-to-face, the PR7s in Memphis. Yeah. And, you know, I'm hoping he's going to come to Rudy and officiate a match. Speaking of officials, uh, friend of the show, Mike Latch, was officiating the Rudy match last week. Got to hang out with Mikey. Always loved him. So on to my third topic. Um, unfortunately, Ty couldn't be here with us in this episode, so we each picked up an extra topic. I want to talk about something that continuing from last week's episode. The last week's episode, we asked the question, what can we do to grow the women's game? And I think we're we're starting to 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 really do it in things like the curtain raiser, right? So it's uh, the women's USA 7s versus Australia 7s. Uh, I think they played uh, uh, three matches as a curtain raiser to the LA um, Utah uh, match. Um, and I mean, you know, you had your full complement of sevens roster and it was kind of gearing them up towards, I think they start, if not this coming weekend, the next weekend in their international schedule again. Um, so it was good to see them play. It was good to see them uh, be the curtain raiser for the, for the professional fans and maybe get some fans who might not know, you know, women's rugby um, into the sport on the seventh side. And also. from Naya Tapper. Um, she gets asked often what her favorite thing about rugby is, what makes it different from other sports. And her answer was, uh, the answer is pretty simple. Respect. The respect that we have for our opponents is unmatched. To be able to beat each other up one minute and party, uh, then party our nights away together like the best of friends the next minute on top of being from different sides of the world is beautiful. So I love that message from Naya. And I love the fact that uh, USA game is coming with the MLR. And that was one of our major tenants in our last rant. Hundred percent, um, and so it was definitely good to see that. We can't wait to see our women compete both in sevens and fifteens in the upcoming year. For my last uh, around the pitch segment, I'm going to throw a shout out, uh, and maybe it's a shameless plug, but a shout out to our Super Brew winners. For those that haven't jumped on board, you still can jump on board to our Super Brew. You can get in on an opportunity to win every week because uh, each week the contest almost resets in sorts. So in week five, big shout out to Sheila Falcon, of course, from the NOLA Gold Diggers. She got a big win. And this week, week six, uh, Julie Winder uh, won the um, Super Brew Contest. And they were both winners of a $25 gift card from rugbygear.com, one of our sponsors. So they're going to be able to go to rugbygear.com. They can pick up some rugby rant gear if they want, which is on sale now. Pick up hoodies, T-shirts, hats, um, quarter zips, etc. So they're on sale. Got a couple different color combinations there, some pretty great stuff. Or you can pick up some international gear, of course, with the Six Nations happening right now. That would be an opportune time as well. So throw a big shout-out. Uh, to, to both Julie and Sheila, and a big thank you to American Rugby Outfitters at rugbygear.com. Pick it up. You can use rent code 15 to get 15% off 
everything in your basket and orders over $100 in the continental United States, free shipping. So go to rugbygear.com, help us keep the lights on and throw some appreciation their way and join Superbrew. You can get yourself a gift card. Absolutely. You can go head to head against me and the hammer as we put up our picks and the yeah. grand poobah, Mike Parazzini's throwing up his picks. And you got also guys like um, Greg Gradelli, the Monday morning fly hat, mm-hmm. who throws up his picks, Benji from the, um, the gold diggers. He throws up his picks. So, you know, you want to play against fans. You want to play against super fans. You want to play against the guys from the rant, join the super brew, baby. Uh, we'd love to have you um, guys. Uh, I think we had a, a great around the pitch segment here. You know, we love yeah. bringing you news. We love bringing you things that we feel are important to the sport of rugby, but guess what? Fans, now we're on to the Rugby Rant, baby. With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury, and Protec will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the post-mass social, ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, Arrow will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continental of the United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use Rant15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game. And welcome back, Rugby Rant friends. It's the big guy again, and we're here for our Rugby Rant segment of the show. Um, we have two great ranters here. They've both been on the show before. Um, we have one lesser ranter here who's kind of to the to the other side of me, uh, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, still here. I don't know why. We should have kicked him off last segment, but, you know, it is what it is. So oh, is what, that- whatever, what, well, whatever, whatever happens is every time, every time Ty can't come on the show, all of a sudden Scott's doing Ty's business. Rob is still a part of the show, so he can get the win. But I'm not eligible for the win because I can't pick myself. It's you know, I think he's he's just he's got it into Ty's head to say, "Let's Scott do my my yeah." It's the mind games. It's the mind games. So, so anyway, right now it's pretty much guaranteed. I'm not getting the win, fan. So listen, you might have <laughs> so send, listen. Send I, Scott DM Scott and and let him know listen, how unhappy I'm. You way are more impartial him. than you and Ty are. I'll put it that way. Um, several at several points, Ty's has given me has given me two or three bonus points, and Rob still magically wins for whatever reason. I guess the check doesn't bounce that week. Anyway, let's talk about the two other ranters we, we have here. Bonus points. <laughs> let's talk about the two other ranters and introduce them. Um, Alex, no nickname Carlson. We were trying to give him a nickname prior. OG DC Superfan and coach at Longwood University's uh, uh, with the men's program there. Uh, Alex, welcome back. Hey, thanks very much. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, Thanks no, for joining us, Master yeah, Chief. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying to come up with a a, a, a nickname, and uh, I don't know. I, I like the no nickname thing. 
kind of like it. There's probably plenty of nicknames out there. I just don't know if I just don't know if you want to solicit those from some of the people maybe I've worked with, and if they're and if they're allowed to be on the internet without a password. Probably not. Uh, Rob would have to bleep a lot of it in our uh, in our edit. But uh, next to him, our buddy John Cullen, former Utah Warrior. Uh, he's also right now the head coach of the Iowa uh, High School Selects Hawkettes, which is the first Iowa women's under eighteen um, union team in the state of Iowa. Welcome back, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure uh, to be joining you two gentlemen in this forum. Let's go, go Hawkettes. Go he was Hawkettes. talking about Master Chief and the big guy. I don't think he was referring to me. <laughs> I'm no gentleman. <laughs> Rod Hammerschmidt, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But um, anyway, so the first topic we have has been kind of lighting the fire a little bit on social media the past couple of weeks. Um, it's, it's a very interesting topic. Um, it's about attendance, and people seem to think there's lower attendance than there was last year, last year being a COVID year. I don't know. It's a little weird. I think uh, as far as we're concerned, you know, how are you going to compare attendance to 2020 with five matches, right? Compared to 2019, which had a full complement of matches, compared to 2021, which had teams not in their own, in their own country playing home matches, you know, to 2022 now where everybody seems to be a little more situated. Um, so it's very interesting to me that this would even come up at this point. Um, I think it's more of people want to see the league grow. Um, they want to see the league compete with other leagues like MLS and eventually NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL. Um, so I think while it is a valid question, sometimes to me it seems as though uh, people are picking on the numbers when they don't need to be. But anyway, it's not my rant. I'm not allowed to rant about it because Rob set it up that way. Uh, Alex, your two minutes starts now. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it, uh, and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be here again. And I think my biggest thing is isn't so much as maybe trying to frame that conversation. I, I've seen it kind of going back and forth, um, and I think for for me as a fan, as a stakeholder in in this, right, it was is to try and be positive and focus on going forward. I don't really worry so much personally about last year's numbers. I focus on really what's being done deliberately to put fans into the stands. You know, I've heard the butts and seats thing. I think, I think that language though gets very, gets very difficult, especially when you're, it's maj- probably the majority of rugby people coming into the stadium. Right. So you don't want to really want to feel like you're being used, right. Just to kind of keep it going on. I think where, where some of this, some of these numbers are really low. Yes. There's been some bad weather. Yes. There's some, there's some clubs that kind of play, in areas that aren't so easy to get to for public transportation and, and the schedule. And, and what, and once again, without being in a league office or being in a club, you know, any of these teams offices to see when the schedule's developed, a lot of this is being early in the season here is conflicting with all the spring seasons, you know, being, being in the DC area, I know it, I hear it, I listen to it. And every now and then I weigh in on it, but you know, everybody from youth, all the way to college rugby is playing in that, you know, one, two, three o'clock time slot. So if a game is starting on a Saturday in there, the majority of your fans and the the majority of your people are, um, are doing rugby things, your referees, your coaches, your players, your fans, your families. So they're not really going to make that match. And then there's some weird Friday and Sunday things going on too. And, you know, mom and dad, if they got two kids, they're not really bringing them to, a Sunday night match, you know, if, if school starts on Monday, especially if people are driving an hour to two hours to a match. So that's, yeah. That's my two I mean, I, th- I think you make a, uh, you, you make decent points there about the scheduling and 
it seems to be like a phenomenon on scheduling sometimes because you you talk about you know Saturdays scheduling on Saturdays and I know we, me and you have talked about it on social media on Facebook um you know complaints this year from some fans about playing you know the matches are on Saturday and I gotta be honest in 2019 a lot of the Rooney fans were complaining that they couldn't go right and oh it's during the clubs you know our club matches and this and that other thing we can't go we're not going to be driving you know in an opposite direction play at a side have a b side and try and come back for the match and then funny enough in 2021 and 2022 these same people are saying how do you have a match on sunday sunday is not a rugby day saturday is a rugby day so it's you know in, in that case in point you can't pick you know it's it's like you're going to anger these people you're going to anger that people um but as far as uh going on a sunday night man i got the big guy my my father had season tickets to the Mets. We would go to Shea for the Sunday night game. Um, and we drive, you know, an hour or two to Shea, go to the Sunday night baseball game, come back at two in the morning. And he made sure my butt was uh, in school the next day. Um, so, I mean, diehards will come out to the matches. As far as weather's concerned, for me, again, I, being from the Northeast, being from New York, playing in Massachusetts in college, dude, it was always cold anyway. So I never understand why people are so against cold weather matches. I think it, uh, I think it's a, a a home field advantage if you have those guys that are practicing in it. Um, so to me, you might as well have New England and New York and, and OGs playing whole matches early on. But uh, anyway, uh, Johnny, let's hear what you have to say, bud. Yeah, um, the, the the schedule one is it's unbeatable. You can't get around that, right? Depending on the region you're in, there there's hardly any rugby being played in the spring because they focus on fall, this, that, and the other. I think – I think the league is actually doing a great job with the Friday, Saturday, Sunday options and leaving that open to when it fits in. Can you go on Friday, play on Saturday, do a Saturday off, go, or hey, Sunday for everyone. Um, but, you know, me, you know, Scott, me and you kind of joked of, you know, attendance being down as in, as in comparative to what of, you know, when was attendance up? I think we've seen fairly consistently, you can name, without hesitation, the th- I'll be friendly, the three to four teams that have had solid, legitimate attendance basically since year one throughout. Everyone else has always been spotty. I think you're what you're also seeing, this is the, the uh, I guess, the double-edged sword, right, where we're moving out of middle school football fields and parks and benches and into stadiums, right? It's... 4,000 people in a baseball stadium doesn't look great. 4,000 people in the Coliseum looks really bad. Um, where those numbers have fluctuated, if someone can make me look bad in the comments, go for it if you have the stats. But I think it's it goes both ways. The teams that have always had good attendance, to me, from what I've seen on, on the broadcast at least, all those people are still there. The teams who have been poor at attendance and building that are still in the same scenario. Now – Alex, like you said, what's going on in those front offices and the marketing departments to fix that? I don't know. But it's going to be tough when you have 5,000 people in 20,000 seat stadiums. It's not ever going to look good. Absolutely. And I think you're right. And I think you have to look at a team like Dallas, right? Dallas in their first years at Choctaw Stadium, which, you know, Rick Collins and, and Eric Larson, you know, who are, who are who run the fan group, the Jackals Den, tell me is a great stadium for rugby as far as when you're sitting there and watching the rugby. It's great angles. They have the concessions open. You know, they have all the stuff that a minor league stadium would have. But just like you pointed out, you know, 
I think they had what they had 3,152 people at their, um, their inaugural opening match. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think that was three weeks ago. Um, that was the, the highest attendance for a 2022 MLR match, right? So 3,100 players, 3,200, if you round it up, uh, excuse me, 3,200 spectators, if you round it up as your best match, still isn't going to fill Choctaw stadium. And I got to be honest, me as a, as a fan, the last couple seasons, Rooney was kind of doing general admission and I was kind of in my own position where I like to be kind of away from people and I could, could like, you know, spread out and I can, you know, live tweet and I could do some videos. So, I mean, if you have guys like me out there that are going to matches, it's just not going to look good on TV. When Rooney was at MCU park, it didn't look good on on, on TV for the same reason, you know, MCU, I think holds like 10,000 and, you know, they were averaging 2,500 people in 2019. So it just right. doesn't, doesn't look good. Um, as far as the Friday matches, you know, we had a previous rant, uh, Hammer remembers, about those off-day matches. And I think um, Friday matches are good as long as you're going into a bye week or you're going to, like, you know, play a Sunday match or something like that, you know, prior to that. You know what I mean? Coming out of a bye week, rather, or you played a, 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 fr- a Saturday match before that, not necessarily a Sunday match to go into a Friday because you're losing that day, plus travel and all that other stuff. Um, so I, I do like it. And, you know, John's right as far as trying to finagle everybody to make sure that they're on a good schedule for TRN. Cause I gotta be honest, I don't like to watch the replays. I'd rather watch them all live if I can, you know? So yeah. it seems as though the East coast is always going to kind of be on that earlier path. So that way the West coast teams can be in that will be primetime East coast, but it's still six, five, six o'clock, you know, PM Eastern there, you know? Um, so it's, it's a fine line they're walking. And I accept the fact that if, Seattle's playing at home on a Friday night. It's not going to start till 1030 for me. And I'll either stay up late or I'll watch the replay Saturday morning, you know? Um, But, you know, I think it's a good, I think they're, they're getting there. They're kind of riding that line. Rob, what do you say? Well, first of all, I think you, like everybody else has said, uh, Alex and Johnny Utah there, um, you have to contextualize what's going on this year. And that that's put in the context of COVID season teams were on restrictions last year. Obviously this year, those restrictions for most part have been lifted and we also have a very different schedule this year than last year, just in terms of placement in the, in the overall calendar, right? I mean, we're starting six weeks earlier this year. And I think what people are forgetting is that weather's playing a significant impact, even on the Southern teams, Dallas, Houston, NOLA, for God's sakes, places that you'd think in February should be able to play rugby. They're having particularly cold weather seasons right now. Um, and I know it's, uh, I've talked to Tim Falcon. I've talked to, to Ryan. I've talked to those guys down in NOLA. And one of the things they've said is that you can't compete with Mardi Gras. Right. I think it's one of the reasons why they learned that in the last couple of years. And they were actually away in Seattle during Mardi Gras week. They purposely did that because they don't want to compete with Mardi Gras, um, you know, and try to and use that one as, as one of their home games. But I think we have to take a, a little different approach. To, what's that? Get the players out of there, too. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Um, but I think we have to also uh, take a look at this. The league should be considering the aggregate. Okay, the league shouldn't be particularly concerned about individual matches. I I mean, I'm not saying ignore it, but I'm just saying what they should be thinking about is, okay, let's analyze the data at the end of the season and take a look across the board and see what we see. Right. And think about should we push the schedule back two weeks or three weeks to maybe take advantage of a little better weather in the south um, and in the north, by the way. Um, And then teams should be analyzing, you know, week by week, match by match to see how they can meet the needs of their market, right? Can you have those big D1 games as a curtain raiser, right? 
can you find a way to incorporate like here in rugby illinois all the middle school teams played at a festival on sunday okay so we would want to take advantage of let's get those kids at the festival have it near our location and those kids are begging to go to the match in the afternoon after the rugby festival is all done so it's just finding ways to meet the needs of your market that's what teams should be doing on an individual game by game basis and I think you're seeing teams do that. Um, you had LA when they had the seventh tournament, USA mm-hmm. for women's versus uh, Australia women's. Um, and I mean, as far as I know, there's been Kurt Razor, Kurt Razors at a lot of matches. I know Rudy had a Kurt Razor of two top ten high school teams in the country play each other. And I got to be honest, you know, me and my dad were on the edge of our seat. It came down to the the uh, higher, the lower ranked team, right? Yeah, lower rank because they're number ranked number nine, uh, holding up the ball at the death to win the match. You know what I mean? So it was really exciting to watch. And we went there early knowing that was the curtain raiser. I love going to watch the curtain raisers. And so I think they're almost, they're, they're kind of getting there. And I think you're right. They have to figure out what's good for them on an individual basis. I think it's a great point about the Mardi Gras. They knew they were losing business because people weren't coming to watch the rugby. They're coming to experience Mardi Gras. And I think John's right on his comment, get the players out of that environment. And not to say that the players are going to go and, you know, party and 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 not be professional but when everybody around you is partying you know maybe you're not in the mi- right mindset to be like i really need to hunker down right now you know it's just a in the that atmosphere might not be the best to say hey i'm gonna pop somebody on the rugby field versus shit we're going to seattle we'll get there a couple days early and kind of reset and regroup um so, so cully's not speaking from experience here is he well, <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> Honestly, on the on the flip side of that, though, if you can keep your guys in line and you bring a traveling team into the Mardi Gras distraction, <laughs> then you can really use it to your advantage. Hey, hey. Uh, which reminds me, I never forget we went down to play Atlanta one time, and all our guys that flew down were met by some Atlanta boys, let them stay with them, etc. And they took them out. Everybody got slashed, had a great time, and they showed up all hammered and hung over. Our guys did the next morning when we when we rucked up to the pitch. All the guys that were ready for Atlanta's team were not the guys that were out the night before partying and having a good time. It was all of the course. second side guys. Yeah. They sent you the B side. Come on. That's a good game of chess right there. Yeah, yeah mind games. So real quick, so far, as far as I know, um, Utah actually had the most fans at a 2022 match. Uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before when uh, Dallas came to town, 3,608 yeah. people, mm-hmm. according to uh, the Utah Warriors. So I mean, I would say if the if if thirty six hundred is the highest, you know, thirty two for Dallas, um, you're probably averaging somewhere in the two thousands, maybe just a little bit lower than that. I know stadiums like, you know, uh, JFK Stadium in Hoboken only holds like fifteen hundred people. You're gonna that's what you're gonna max out at, you know. So that's gonna bring your average down a little bit. Um, I think it's I think what they need to do, and this is something. So uh, one of my best friends works for uh, a pro football team, right, and his entire job is this PR guy is he goes on the away trips with this football team. He meets the PR guy from the other team and they talk about what's been working as far as ticket sales, getting people in seats, events that they have in the stadium. And then when they have home games, he, the, the away PR guy sits with him and they do this, right? And the NFL encourages this because yeah. if it's working for one team in one big market, it might work for another team, right? And why not share the best practices? Now, I know it might not be practical right now in the MLR, but I do think some some locales are so similar that there might be some best practices they but, can 
use. And, and I've argued and supported the same thing for a, a, a number for like two years. Like, actually, it's not that impractical. If we've learned anything from COVID, not only can the rugby rent thrive under these conditions, <laughs> but you can also do you can do Zoom meetings. Okay, you have your your social media people break out and do a Zoom meeting. You have your ticket sales people to break out and do a Zoom meeting. You have your GMs break out. How can we get better eyes on the collegiate game and develop players? I mean, those are all things that you can do over Zoom. It doesn't take a lot of effort and energy to do that. It just takes the you know the the commitment from teams as a whole to do that. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree, and that's that's what's kind of part of my points in, in driving some of this too is, hey, you know, like I, weather, I love it, man. That's good rugby weather. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. I, I, I like that. I, I was out there for Old Glory's home opener with my kids, 26, 28 degrees, season ticket holders. They can suck it up. Um, and Goddamn right. right that's, wow. that's right. They're going to be good little soldiers, and they're going to listen to Dad and, and freeze their butts off. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I'm, I'm the same way. Yes, right? sir, my, Master my, Chief, sir. Yeah, my kids, right? <laughs> my kids will go to those matches because, like, it builds resiliency. You know what I mean? So, um, but, you know, like trying to think of the, of the big picture, that that's, that's what I'd really like to see. That's yeah. – I'm like looking looking backwards. It is what it is. I think, I think um, John makes a great point about, like, yeah, where's, where's the stats to go off of? But, like, just getting people in the room – and you got to punch it out sometimes. So I don't know if what what each club has for staff, like who's full time, who's part time. But I think Hammer, you you nail it, right? Pun intended. Um, at the same time, right? So, um, like, just get people in a room. Like, you can do it all day, all day. Someone's like, you got time for a chat, Facetime, Zoom, whatever your thing is. Just talk to people. They're giving the, the internet's giving you the answers. Listen to the fans, right? It's not a complaint box as much as those are just suggestions mm-hmm. for success. So take those things, run with it, build in, build community ambassadors and let them run with the ball a little bit, do a little bit of dirty work for them, show them some gratitude, and then they'll help, they'll help tell you how to put, you know, fans in the seats. Alex, I think you hit a great point that maybe is missed in all this is, is that, you know, number one, you want to engage your, I mean, it's important to engage other teams so that you find out best practices, but, our, our teams, and I've heard this, by the way, that teams are almost afraid to engage some of their core fans and find out what, what's working for them, what's not working for them. It's almost like they're afraid of negative feedback rather than using it as a positive, something to move forward on, right? They almost fear it. And, and I think that's dangerous. You've got to be willing to embrace the criticism in order to grow. I mean, it's no different than playing on the rugby pitch, right? If you were perfect all the time, you wouldn't get any better. It's failure that helps us grow and become better. Absolutely. And I think there's certain clubs that have targeted certain fans, you know, you want to call them super fans, you want to call them, you know, all-star season ticket holders. And they do listen when those fans come up. I mean, I know for me, for a New York perspective, I try and ask everybody what's going on, what they like, what they don't like. I try and give feedback to people when I'm talking to the club and say, hey, you know, I've been hearing this as a common theme for a lot of fans. Is this something we could change? If it's not, okay. But, you know, think about a really good thing to change. So, Real quickly, I always had this idea for my buddy who works for the NFL team, and he shot it down, but I want to hear what you guys think. I was saying get like eHarmony or Plenty of Fish or whatever, Tinder as a sponsor, and you have the you know, eHarmonyMatch.com couple of the game, right? You have, you know, free tickets don't cost that much. You get them a couple beers, a couple hot dogs. You spotlight them at halftime, and then right there you have a sponsor too, right? Because you're going to have them uh, eHarmony, Match, Tinder, Grinder, whatever hit you up 
as the sponsor, right? And then that was he told me that was a stupid idea. I, I still think it's a hundred. You, you got you got it right there. Just market it. You better get on it right after this now, though. It's at ruggersonly.com. You know that <laughs> you that jingle yeah. right there. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I so John, this is a question as a former player in the MLR and playing in Utah, where the weather is a little bit colder in the beginning of the season. Um, is there is is this is completely off topic, but I have to ask because we're talking about weather and fans, right? Culturally, on the pitch, we're getting guys from the Southern Hemisphere, right? At this time, their body clock is on summertime. Do they have a hard time adjusting sometimes to those weather temperature drops? Um, they would depend on when they showed up. Um, so I mean, if you just got over late, um, then I'm sure, yeah, it's pretty terrible. But um, at least from my experience, we were we were always getting guys by at least late December, early January. So obviously Utah's cold. One, they needed to acclimate to the cold and the elevation. So we had guys that, depending on where they were coming from, they had a lot to get used to. But I don't know. I mean, you know, the South Africans probably more than everyone else when they when you throw when no, you throw just, them in the cold, they don't like it. It's just um, interesting, you know. I I because to be fair, the key. I mean, the Kiwis, the Kiwis play some, the Kiwis play some rugby in some some pretty cold brutal terrible weather especially, especially in the south um, island yeah mm-hmm. especially south island if you play in the mpc mm-hmm. you're playing in brutal weather yeah. um but yeah i mean maybe you give a hard time you know the south africans and south americans probably have the hardest time especially if it's a quick switch but mm-hmm. i mean they, they get used to it just as much as everyone else does they don't have a choice so and th- this is another thing sorry to interrupt you so on top of that on the fans perspective i wonder if some of the bigger markets you know, L.A., it's not a problem. San Diego, it's not a problem. New York, it may be a problem. You have a lot of international people who live in New York who may not go to a rugby match because they're used to going to rugby mats in better weather, right? For me, personally, growing up in New York, I was always at Giant Stadium, rain, wind, or snow. If they're winning big, if they're losing big, we always stayed till the, the final whistle. But if you're coming over here from a different culture, I wonder – shoot, do I really want to sit in 20-degree windshield weather on a Sunday to watch Rudy play San Diego, you know, when I could just watch it for free on TRN? Well, I, I think it's going to be hard to get the converts, the people that you're trying to convert over from other sports. I mean, sure, you know, here in Chicago, people are people just are idiots when they go when there's a Bears game, right? And Packers are the same way. They're a big guy. I mean, people will go when it's downright snowing sideways to go to a Bears game, but there's a built-in culture there. It's something that people have embraced. It's part of that experience until we get those converts embedded into our sports, into our sport, it's going to be difficult to actually get them to do that. It's going to be idiots like us that go there no matter what, but that will embrace. You bring up a good point because the teams embrace it, right? When you think about the monsters of the midway, you see Dick Buckus in the big coat and it's snowing and you see his breath. I mean, the frozen tundra. So the team, it seems as though well, the, like, the MLR right. won't Look, embrace the, the, the cold. Bears, the Bears are talking about moving to Arlington Heights, right? And one of the big debates here in Chicago and all the sports radio is, you know, do we want to cover Dome? And there are people that are going, no, it's the home field advantage, and we love it, and that's Bears weather and all this stuff. And you got some other people are going, like, there's no such thing as Bears weather. Let's not be stupid. You want to enjoy it from, you know, in a nice, comfortable seat and everything else. So there is that real debate in here amongst Bears fans. And and I, I often wonder what the split is, but um, there are people that will go no matter what, and they love and enjoy that crap weather. <laughs> well, 
Man, I got a lot to think about. You guys, yeah. you guys made some great points. I can always speak. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. John, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah, he's in Iowa time right now. Sorry, I thought you guys froze. I say I, I'm kind of on Rob's side. I can speak for Utah fans. Obviously, built in to the culture. I mean, you Utah football games, BYU football games. You sit in the snow, you watch it. I think I'm a little biased, probably, in favoritism. I think we have a pretty solid fan base. Whenever you watch a Warriors game, it's pretty full. The crowd's pretty loud. Most teams talk about what it's like to play there. So, I mean, when we have cold games, you know, Utah. Utah people are a little crazy. They get even more excited and show up and get louder and somehow stay warm. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's on the teams to embrace some of this stuff that are, that is, you know, evident that if we're going to start the season in, you know, mid February, maybe push for a home game. It's just as terrible watching a game in NOLA or Houston in July. Yeah. Who the hell wants to do that? No, no, you're right. Although I think they can control that a little bit by playing games at night. You know, again, I had a conversation with, with, with uh, Tim Falcon. He said, that's one thing that they could do. Is it still hot? Hell yeah, it's still hot. But you know, you don't have the the heat coming off the pitch uh, like you would do at midday. It's going to be a little bit easier to bear. Before, before we take this word from our sponsors, one thing I do want to say is when we saw those games last year in Houston, in, in Austin, in NOLA, some of those kickoffs were like five o'clock. And I noticed as you got into the second half and it was around six or seven and the sun went down, the condensation on that ball got slippery. And the amount of handling errors that went on in the second half for, for both teams that were playing didn't make the rugby look good. So I'm wondering, do you schedule that 7 p.m. instead of that 5 p.m. slot? Right. That is so. that is a great point. That is a weather pattern that is not spoken about. People talk about rain and snow and all this stuff. I was like, once you're wet, you're wet. When you talk about the change in like your body composition and it's that nasty jersey sweat slime that's covered that wall there's no worse weather than human sweat like rain and snow is fine you can suck it up your hands are cold you just get nastiness on that ball that's the worst weather pattern there is people and it seems it's always the same three balls it's not like they really uh exchange balls like the nfl so but uh guys yeah i'll swap them out absolutely not but um, all great points, man. This is a hard one to say who won because you each kind kind of came at it a different way. Um, but I, it's man, this is gonna be a hard one. So real quick, um, we're gonna go to our sponsors, and let's keep the lights on, baby. Hey everybody, it's the big guy. I'm here to talk to you about our partner, Aversio Wellness. Aversio means change. Their mission is to change lives through fungi. Functional mushrooms are having a moment in 2022 because they offer two things that we all need most right now. The first thing is long-term stress support. The second thing is long-term immune support. Right now, many athletes have a secret weapon. They're powered by mushrooms. Warrior can be taken daily to help your body utilize more oxygen efficiently by improving lung capacity and enhancing blood flow. The big guy takes it, the hammer takes it, and Ty the Safa Braga take it. Cordyceps mushroom extract is the ideal addition to your routine if you're looking to optimize energy and endurance. So do us a favor, go to aversiowellness.com and get 15% off your entire order by using the code RANT15. And that way, when you order your Balance or your Chill or your Awaken, your Defend or your Warrior products, you can get 15% off. Help us help you. Go to aversiowellness.com, use the code RANT15, get your 15% off. 
Tell them the big guy sent you. Rugby Red fans. <laughs> oh man, it's the big guy Scott Ferrari. Got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt on this <clears throat> side, rather. And uh, we have our RPK segment of the show. It's it's one of my favorite segments because I love talking to the guys that we have on our show. And we of course have a Nola Gold player here because Rob's on you know on the show. It's if it's not a Nola Gold player, it's a Rooney player. Devin Short, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank Always you so much for coming on. And uh, real quick, just run down Devin's CV before Rob talks about how the run passer kick works. Um, Devin picked up the game in 2016. He was a high school All-American, USA under-20s at the Rugby World Championship, um, under-21 Blue uh, blue uh, B- Bulls. Excuse me. Bleh. It's late for me, guys, so I'm kind of <laughs> – Be careful with uh, that one. Yeah, for, yeah exactly. <laughs> Former San Diego legal, uh, Legion player. I saw him knocking the ball around at the PR7s in Memphis with our buddy uh, Patrick Madden and currently of the NOLA Gold. Um, seasoned rugby player, although he's only been playing for you know what most people would term a short while. But you know, listen, more illustrious career than me and Rob. Gotta be quite oh, honest. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so it's hey, it's great to have you on, Devin. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I always enjoy getting the Nola boys on here and giving them an opportunity to to uh, you know just get themselves a little bit more familiar with the fans. So um, let's get into it a little bit. But before we do. Uh, for the fans watching at home that have yet to see a run passer kick interview style, it works a little like this. Scott and I are going to have some questions for uh, D Short here. We're going to frame them all with run, pass, or kick. Uh, Devin's going to go us and tell us what he's going to do. If he says he's going to run a question, it means he's going to take it straight up. And man, if you saw him run this last weekend, um, we know that he likes to run the ball and get into the dirty contact. That's for sure. So I'm sure we'll see some running with some questions. But he also, like any good uh, and masterful rugby player, has to be able to pass the ball as well. And he can choose to pass on a question. Maybe it's a question he doesn't want to get in trouble with uh, Fitz, uh, so he's going to leave it alone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he can pass a question, or he can have a little fun with us, put us on the back foot. And uh, I, he doesn't kick too much on the pitch, but he can always kick in the run pass or kick interview. And all that means if he chooses to kick a question he's going to kick it to either Scott and myself. And so he can direct his kick by telling us which one he wants to answer it. Or if he doesn't choose to kick it and lets us opt toward it, it's whoever asked the question. So Devin short, are you ready for the run passer kick interview challenge? Get it. All right. My, Scott's my, got... my kicking for PR seven. You know? There you go. There you go. You can't, Absolutely. Can't go to the championship again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I was there. I watched, I watched the, uh, the, the tiebreaker, which was always a tiebreaker for my club in D four. Only time I ever kicked for points was that once I won for one, a hundred percent conversion on that. I'll take that to the grave with me. Um, I get, I get the honor of the first question this time, um, which ne- rarely happens. You guys rarely, you know, I'm rarely on the RPK segments cause you know, I look like this, but anyway, so the first question. So last season you were selling Devin short custom socks. We know that these were a big hit with the young ladies, Devin, but run pass or kick. Was it weird to get an order from an old man named Rob from Chicago? <laughs> That's uh, unfair. I'm going to run with this one. You know, I, got, <laughs> I, got a, I got a pair right here for you, big guy. If you really want them, you know? <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. When you guys come up to New York, now, bring them with um, you because I'll be there. 
<laughs> I got you, man. But yeah, um, no, I, I love the support. You know, Rob's always coming down to the NOLA and, uh, you know, hyping up the boys. And, you know, he's a big supporter of the guys. So, you know, any any support that I can get is, you know, is loved and I appreciate it, you know. You know, it is, it is usually better when it's a when it's a when it's a girl, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll help out the big guys too. <laughs> I don't take offense to that at all. But it was we also had the uh, opportunity to vote for you uh, in uh, for muscle and fitness, right? You were you were up for a mu- muscle and fitness appearance or, or award, and uh, I know I was throwing <laughs> that shot out quite a bit to help you to help you out in that uh um, in that endeavor. Yeah, that was that one was fun. Uh, you know, it was it was a So, you know, it at least I got, I got to like, think like the final round or like the, the second to final round and uh, which was, you know, a lot further than I thought I was actually really going to make it, but uh, it, it went to a, a wounded warrior guy, which I mean, it, they were the ones putting it on. So I wasn't very mad about losing. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be too upset at that one. Exactly. So, you know, Scott mentioned in your CV that you started playing at, um, you know, the age of 16. And you really, taking that into consideration, you haven't really played for as long a time as many of those guys that have been playing for quite some time. A former, well, I don't know if you've ever played with him. You certainly, you played to get, uh, with him in the loggerheads, right? Uh, guy Patrick Madden has been playing since, you know, he was in, uh, in diapers, I believe. Um, so you've had a, a really meteoric rise. Uh, since you started playing so run past or kick at what point did you say yeah i want to be a professional rugby player uh i'm gonna run with this one i'm gonna say it was you know when i you know after i made the team and made the top 15 at um, rocky mountain challenge when i was playing for your socal um that was only i want to say four months after starting and you know, I was going to these these high level tournaments as as a youth youth guy still technically, and I I'm making like the top select squads and I'm making like turn top tournament squads and stuff like that. And then I had the opportunity to go play high school Americans. And after making that that team in under six months of starting, I was like, I feel like I could really do something with this sport. But I was already committed to play football at Adams State University, so you know. Um, you know, you commit, you sign, you sign that. So I'm not going to take back my commitment. So I went and played, got hurt. And I was just like, yeah, this is not for me. I don't want to, I don't want to play football anymore. I'm in love with rugby. So I ended up dropping out and just put my head down and started grinding out the rugby. And I was like, I feel like I could really do something with this sport and I'm going to just going to do what I can to really, really take it where, where I want to. Yeah, and I think I think your story is more similar to most Americans playing rugby than maybe Patrick's is. Um, although Patrick's, you know, has that technical experience to play, you know, one of those spine positions there because he's been playing for so long and at such a high level. I just find it interesting, you know, you kind of hit the ground running as far as learning the sport, playing the sport, playing at a high level at the youth level, then transferring it over to a professional level um, after college versus me who picked it up in college sucked for four years and then continued to suck at the men's league level. There was no meteoric rise. It was just a desperate slump of, of sucking um, except for that one kick. 
Um, but yeah, I think I, but I think most, you know, that was my experience too. I learned, you know, way back when in, in 2002 in high school about rugby, uh, a teacher taught me, you know, he's like, Oh, this is rugby. You might like it. You know? And then I got experience of watching the all blacks, and the Eagles every so often. And, you know, I could see a parallel for most guys I talk to, right, Rob? I mean, you kind of have the same, you know, your kids are a little more born into it, you know, because you're on the club scene, right? But really, you know, getting to the higher levels was more in the college and not at the youth level. So, um, yeah, I definitely wish I would have started earlier to get more of the skills down because, I mean, you know, I'm going on my fifth year professional and I'm still perfecting my catch pass, you know, still still working on the, the small things where, I feel like if I was able to develop, you know, you never stop learning, but I would have been a little bit more developed than I was. Uh, But, you know, that's that's, that's part of the journey, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I spoke to Sam Windsor. Yeah, I spoke to Sam Windsor this past weekend uh, at the Rooney match, and he said the same thing. And I mean, he's, you know, at the end, you know, the, the, the long end of his career, you know, playing the game since he was young, and he's still learning things, and he still talks about, like, you know, kicking into the wind and, you know, there's things I could do differently and learn better. So I think it's just always going to be an ongoing uh, thing to try and perfect your, your rugby play. So on to the next question, we're talking about your experience. Um, you spent some time playing for the uh, under 20 blue bulls and you were 19 years old. So this is a two part question, run, pass or kick. How did the opportunity come about and what did you take away from the experience? So I'm going to run with this one. Um, I got the opportunity from, from San Diego. Um, you know, we'd finished up uh, the 2019 season. Um, you know, we were we were kind of down bad after uh, losing that one. You know, it was kind of kind of a tough one to take. Um, but you know, I was still I'm still a young developing player. I was only in my second year, and they wanted to send me down there to kind of help me help me develop my skills as a back rower. Um, so so I was able to go down there and play with the knuckleballs and. Uh, uh, played under coach Moranis and uh, yeah, it taught me a breakdown and um, yeah, it was just, it, it was a huge opportunity. I loved it. Um, you know, you you go down there and you get to experience a different style of rugby that you don't really see in the States. You know, there's a lot more hard nose, run it straight, like big breakdown, you know, so it was, it was it was cool being able to experience that style of rugby and trying to apply it to my my de- developing style. Absolutely, and we like I said, we saw a bit of that this last weekend. You were like a rampaging bull uh, when you <laughs> both against uh, Seattle, and then uh, just just past weekend, so um, against Dallas. So uh, moving on to the next question, you touched upon a little bit. The San Diego Legion provided that platform for you to begin your career in the MLR. Looking back, is there anything you would have done differently in your time there, run, pass, or kick? Um, I think I'll run with this one. Uh, I don't mm, – you know, it's tough because, you know, being a 19, 20, 21 year old living in San Diego for free and just playing professional rugby, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to take back really just because it's experience, it's life experience, you know, I'm, yes, I'm playing rugby at a high level, but I'm still young and I want to be able to live and enjoy my time. Like, I feel like if I was to really do anything better, I was like, uh, 
focus more on my basics, do the extras, you know, um, not just try and go to practice, you know, do everything that I need to there and then just try and you know, like actually talk to the coaches, get the drills, do the extras after practice, not try and just get home and, you know, go to the beach, hang out, you know. Um, but yeah, I love, I love my time down there. It was, it was great. You know, I got to build a little bit of a life with the guys just grow up, up and kind of get mature, learning from the guys like Ryan Maddie and, and you know, Alex Berger. And then, you know, you know, 2020 season, you got Mondo there, where it's like, like, whoa. <laughs> like, he was the first rugby highlight I've ever watched in my life, you know. And, you know, so it's 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 cool. Um, just I would say being able to really soak up that experience and focus on the basics from the guys who have been doing it, you know. Yeah, well, San Diego couldn't have sucked. That's for sure, in terms of a lifestyle <laughs> yeah. for a young for a young guy. Uh, but I think the the important lesson there for those young guys that are listening and taking note is is the you talked about doing the extras. You know, those little things, whether it's just you know before practice, getting those uh, extra um, you know passing reps in with both the left and the right hand to develop your passing skill set. To you know, you know, getting a couple other guys and doing a you know two v one drill or two v three drill or something like that, just to again develop your skill set. So I think those are important lessons for young guys to learn that you can always do a little bit of extras to, to develop your game. Um, so, you know, Scott, we were talking a little bit uh, with Devin about is athleticism outside of rugby. Um, I think you have a question that marries up with that pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this question, I think, is is one of those questions that this is how we need to grow the sport. Right. We talk about rugby tainment and what what we've coined here on uh, the the rugby rant is crossover fans. But now we're talking about crossover athletes. So, uh, Devin, as a young boy, you played both football and you also wrestled run, pass or kick. What does the rugby community need to attract kids like yourself to the sport? I'm going to run with this one because this is kind of an important one. You know, I I played a lot of different sports growing up. You know, I played. I grew up playing baseball, you know, I played football, ran track, you know, played volleyball. You know, I was in the marching band. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was one to do everything, you know? And, um, I feel like, I feel like many try to like be a master of one instead of a master of all, which I, rugby, you, you can, you can kind of be a master of all within one, you know, that you get to, you're not just focused on one thing. And it's not just written out like you do this and you do this, you do this. It's like a big boy can carry a ball and a big boy can make the tackles as, as well as the small kid who's, you know, maybe not as big as this guy, but he's over here being able to be the scrum half, be the, the chippy scrum half, who can, you know, take the A gaps and look for the offloads and make the passes and all that stuff. You know, it's a, it's a very enticing sport to, you know, every, like the athlete because we, we i was having this conversation with a couple of guys and it's like you know how in like fifa you start you can, you can like choose players and it has the little circle and it has like yeah. all the different like like kick power Branches, yeah stamina you know i feel like it's like rugby you know you'd have the, the most like the widest mm-hmm. widest circle Rangers, be, like yeah the best yeah because I mean, you honestly have to do everything. You have to have stamina as well as strong, as well as you know, be physical, as well as be accurate in your in your skills. You know, so I 
feel like if you just want to, you want to play a sport that that's fun and like teases the teases the mind as well as the body, you know, like this is that sport. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and we you know we were kind of in jest um, busting your chops about kicking, but between hmm. you know chip kicks, between grubber kicks, between being yeah. on a sevens team and having to have a tie break in the championship where everybody has to kick for a conversion. You know, if you're a big guy that's not used to kicking, you still have to have that skill in your back pocket because you never know what's going to You might have happen. an opportunity to do it. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, viewers, um, you know, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. 